0: Iowa Everywhere.
1: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, boys, it's game day. Let's go, let's go, big game. Got a big game today. My package has arrived. Oh, sweet. Nice. Skull. Great win, fellas. What game's next? G-Men are having a great year. Let's go blue. Here we go. Primetime football. Texans. Dolphins. Let's do this. Yes. Review. Yes. Yes. Heartland flags. Every sport. Every team, every flag. Every team? That's right. Fine, fine. I'll get a Washington flag too. Find your flag and so much more with fast free shipping. HeartlandFlags.com. Every sport,
0: every team, every flag. Almost heartland flags and gifts presents legends and listeners with scott doctorman and chad lystico fly them high and fly them proud find your flag at heartlandflags.com breaking down the big 10 from the channel seat studios this is iowa
1: everywhere hey hawkeye fans <laughs> big 10 fans and Iowas everywhere i had no idea if i was going to be on the air or not uh I was scrambling here. My microphone came uh, like unplugged. I couldn't hear anything for a while. But here we are. Chad Leistico here of the Des Moines Register, along with Scott Doctroman of the Athletic. Good to be back in the state of Iowa and in the hometown of Caitlin Clark, uh, who everyone wants to talk about. Even Ron DeSantis, who was just uh, out in the newsroom here talking about uh, whatever uh, with our Brianne uh, Fan and Steel. Welcome into the Channel Seed Studios. This is episode 21 of Legends and Listeners here on the Iowa Everywhere Network. Scott, uh, obviously a super eventful day here in central Iowa. First, my heart aches for the Perry community. After uh, a shooting at the high school this morning, I happen to know a couple teachers there. or uh, it's, uh, it's just, uh, you know, my uh, my mind's not in the right spot today. So uh, this is kind of the This is the kind of stuff that sort of puts our lives and what we do for a living into its proper perspective. You know, talk about sports, talk about how bad offenses are, all that stuff. But uh, I don't know. I hate to throw it out on you right away, but that's kind of where my heart is uh, as we start this show.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is when we don't say anything's a tragedy or travesty when we're talking about what happens on the field or the or the court. When you're looking at what happened in, in Perry this morning, I mean, part of me kind of wondered should we push this off a little bit, um, you know, either a couple hours or a day. Just, but um, overall, uh, yeah, I mean, it this cer- it certainly is at a time where we could say, you know, our, our thoughts, prayers, and you know, are directed towards the people of Perry. And it's not just a throwaway statement. It's true. I mean, this has been heart wrenching to watch from on the other side of the state in my case.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I live in Adele, so not too far from Perry and when I was taking my kids to school, um, I saw police cars screaming that we had to pull over cause it, there's a highway we got to go for my daughter's school. And, um, uh, screaming in their direction towards where my son goes to school. So, of course, my, you know, you don't usually see that kind of pace from a police car for, like, a heart attack or, you know, a fire or something like that even. Uh, And there was, like, five or six, you know, by the time I made it all the way down that road. So, uh, luckily, both my kids were with me at that time. But, uh, you know, I just didn't know what was going on. And so, uh, just, you know, mine's been racing all morning and um, I don't know. You know, don't know all the details yet, but I know our, our folks at the register here just outside these walls are working on it and have some stuff up. And um, we can talk about sports now if that sounds good.
0: Yeah, I think so. At this point, um, everybody knows where we are, you know. And if anything uh, happens while we're t- going live, you know, we'll, we'll certainly update you.
1: All right, uh, Scott, before we get into football talk, which uh, of course there is plenty of it. Uh, you know, continue to come to the realization that this is Caitlin Clark's world, and we're just living in it right now. Uh, today is January fourth. The Final Four starts in Cleveland on April fourth. Uh, not Iowa may not get there. But, you know, th- this team has some flaws for sure, but it just puts into frame for me that it's very possible that Caitlin Clark's Iowa career only has three months at most left in it. Well, not at most, but like possibly at most this year. You know, and I just keep just appreciating every moment that uh, I get to watch her. And I know a lot of people are feeling the same right now. How how do you kind of capture just everything she's doing from the last second shot the other day to kind of this time ticking away uh, potentially in her career in Iowa?
0: She has a flair of making the spectacular look routine. And that's uh, for a a shot the other day. Is anybody surprised she hit uh, a three-pointer at the beak at the buzzer to win? Uh, No, because she does – those types of plays happen with regularity with her. I, I think the right approach now is, you know, okay, if she comes back, she comes back. My expectation is she probably won't. And I think for the next two and a half, three months, whatever, how much time we're blessed to appreciate everything that she has here, and that is soak it up watch it. You know, there's going to be games where she's going to struggle. There's going to be games where she's going to miss shots, but to appreciate a once in a lifetime type of athlete at Iowa and to top it off the the representative that she is and the transcendent figure that she has become, uh, we're living in a rare air, Chad. And I think it's almost, I, I think we have to appreciate her for what she's been able to do because people will talk about Caitlin Clark for generations, the way our families may have talked about Ronnie, Ronnie Lester, but she has done it tenfold from what Ronnie Lester did the way, um, punters and and football coaches talk about Reggie Roby, (laughs) you know, I mean, it's, she is, she is the most transcendent figure in sports today. And I would say, um, you know, we could we could talk about Niall Kinnick's legacy all we want, but she is on a, a at minimum uh, a, a Mount Rushmore of two right now in Iowa sports history.
1: Actually, I want to follow up with you on that because it's just a discussion I've had in my text group this morning too about because I called her the greatest Hawkeye in any sport ever, um, like in a text this week and. You know that not much pushback but there is a conversation certainly about now but I want, I'll get I want to get your opinion on that in a second but just uh you mentioned like you know she's gonna have off games but I mean she hardly ever does like even the other night like things were not going good I think she had uh, maybe even a scoreless third quarter or end of the third quarter I can't remember she had 19 for the longest time and uh she just all of a sudden just turned it on and there she was just just draining threes top of the key it's just if you just look at her points, every game—I mean, it's just massively, massively consistent. Even like the great men's players, you know, they'll have like a eight or ten point night. It's just not their night. Um, she just doesn't. She to me, she doesn't ever have an off night. You know, she's—I know shooting wise, maybe—but like just with the the domination of the game for her, and um, it's just unbelievable what she can do on a night in night. Out bases, and that's why. Whenever she does pass Kelsey Plum uh, for the scoring record, right now the projection is February fifteenth against Michigan, but who knows? She's just scoring at such an elite pace right now. Um, is it's just she deserves it. She deserves to be number one because she is just so consistently dominant, and she has been. And she's actually just ascending. I mean she she's getting even better. And mm-hmm. I remember doing a story on her when she was a sophomore. And it's just like. I mean, she they were like some people were like, yeah, this is like elite stuff. Like she's probably not going to get like much better. But like this is maintaining it. She's actually done. She's gotten way better from two years ago. So it's just remarkable to watch. Yeah, it's
0: it's not unlike and I this is a rare air, both figuratively and literally uh, to Michael Jordan in his early career with the Bulls to where he ended up in championship form. Um, you know, when he came on first, he was scoring at will. I remember the playoff series against Boston where he like forty nine points, and then sixty three points and. um and then later on, and a couple of years later, he was a better all around player than he was then. He still had those big shooting nights, but he could do so much more. And I think Caitlin Clark's career is, is kind of, uh, paralleled that to some extent where she was a pure score, but you know, you did a really good job of documenting her workouts in the off season back in late spring, early summer. And and, uh, you know, she's bigger. She's more physical. She still looks so thin that people think that she's, you know, a twig or something. But, you know, I remember somebody calling her Anne Hathaway out there on the floor. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. But, uh, you know, it, either way, she, uh, her game is is going to another level. Now, I, I, the Kansas State game that they lost, she did not play well. She missed a ton of shots, but even more so, that's where her teammates have to help her out and they did not help her out that day. I mean, she looked, I mean, they, you know, the, the guards weren't scoring and and what have you. So uh, she's going to need a couple of those games, but, but by and large to, to go out there and, and then you talk about the, uh, the transcendent force that she is. I mean, like this week, they're going to Rutgers. It's sold out. It was sold out before it became C Vivian Stringer night. Um, uh, Northwestern has been sold out. And I remember going to that game in Chicago at Wrigley and they're like, get your women's basketball tickets here. And it includes an Iowa ticket. And, um, you know, and Minnesota, I believe is sold out. And you and I and Iowa state, all these venues to see the the Caitlin Clark experience. And as you said in the, in the opening, Chad, it's Caitlin Clark's world. We're all living in it.
1: So just to finalize this discussion here, um, you know, that, Is Caitlin Clark the greatest talk of all time? I think for sure. But uh, I'm trying to like transport myself back to 1939 because we weren't here uh, to see Niall Kinnock. But, you know, something Phil Parker said actually about Cooper DeGene the other day, you know, I feel like gives me enough of uh, a perspective to say that she is the she is the best because we didn't get to see him. But I, I try to imagine, like, if we had seen Niall Kinnick in 1939, like, let's say Cooper DeGene was in 1939, for, you know, just for comparison. Like, we had seen him, like, have that Heisman Trophy se- season. And obviously he went on to, to, you know, he was he was more than just a football player, obviously. But uh, Caitlin Clark, to me, has done this for four years on a high, high visibility national stage. I mean, you know, State Farm commercials, Manning cast, um, Final Four, you know, it's not like the 1939 Hawkeyes won the national championship, and I know Iowa didn't either. But like, just at every measure you look at, to me, Clark is number one, and I don't, I, I personally don't think it's. I think she's clear number one, but I, you said kind of one two, so I, I'd respect your opinion on this too. <laughs>
0: I threw it out there that I thought she was number one in the during the final four and kind of had a lot of pushback on that. And, you know, I mean, there's a couple of things she has to overcome uh, before we can completely crown her universally. Um, and that is, you, you know, the legacy and the legendary status and the lofty status that we have for Niall Kinnick. That's something you just can't take away, even in a three to four year period. That's going to have to come in time. And I think with, uh, you know, Niall Kinnick won the Heisman that year. That's it. That's impactful. Um, they won a lot of close games. And he's also named the AP male athlete of the year when you had some terrific. And that was across the board for when Major League Baseball and boxing and some other sports were at a high, high level. So uh, the other part is and, you know, how he conducted himself off the field, You know, student body president uh, died tragically in war. Um, during a training exercise, the stadium's named after him. That is really hard for anybody to overcome. However, it, I think athletically, your your theory holds water. She is the greatest athlete to compete in Iowa. I, and I, I mean, I think we want to talk about we're blessed. The fans should feel blessed that when you're talking about the biggest four sports at Iowa, removing football from the equation, we've seen maybe the three best players at their sports over the last handful of years. Spencer Lee is a wrestler. I think he was probably the best wrestler. Um, I think we look at Luca Garza. Statistically, it's proven to be the case. Um, although Keegan Murray, may be the most athletic of the bunch, you know, and Caitlin Clark, and you throw Megan Gustafson in there as well, because she was tremendous. But you know, I think Gustafson and Garza and Lee are on Mount Rushmore and Caitlin is the face. Lower, you know, it's not even the George Washington. He, she's the son overlooking the Mount Rushmore. Uh, it's just a remarkable uh, career and how she conducts herself off the floor, Chad. And the and uh how she has brought that sport to the front forefront um, ratings wise attendance on the road um you know 13 out of the 14 big Ten schools acknowledge her as a as a Caitlin Clark effect you know there, there's one school in the big Ten that doesn't and then over overall I think this is just a really a um you know the ultimate Iowa um she's a, she's an Iowa girl and she's never let that perish you know it's always about that so you know i maybe at the end of the year i'll, I'll get there and, and agree with you on it and i'm very very close to doing so now
1: really really good perspective there thank you scott uh, i have not been blocked by don staley yet have you <laughs> i didn't tweet Don. i was asleep <laughs> i didn't either <laughs> so yeah i can still see your tweets but uh, who knows maybe i'll be blocked by the end of the show anyway uh, thanks, as always, to our sponsor, Heartland Flags and Gifts, which offers free shipping anywhere in the U.S. It always has fresh products, every, nearly every sport, every team, every flag. And that inc- I, I didn't even realize this. That includes some high schools in our area, too. So you can get a Dowling flag if you're a huge Caitlin Clark and Dowling fan. Go get a Dowling flag at Heartland Flags and Gifts. You can get Waukee Northwest. You can get Van Meter, Gilbert. Uh, they have it all. This is our good friends online, heartlandflags.com or in-store. Uh, southwest 3719 southwest 9th street in Des Moines all right Scott let's uh let's do the football stuff here are you ready yeah let's go all right uh yeah, it, it was funny um I actually did re-watch the citrus bowl I, I can't believe it's I true. did it but I did and uh I almost have <laughs> I, I'm almost more fired up now about like just I just can't believe how bad the offense was this year but let's just uh we're going to talk mostly today about looking forward, Scott, but just let's, let's give each other like one, I guess, I don't know, like cathartic, whatever to, to put to rest, the citrus bowl. What, uh, what stood out to you rewatching that 35, nothing lost, just Tennessee. I hate
0: to go here, Chad, because I really, you, you, we, we try I think really hard to, to acknowledge that they're college athletes and not professional athletes, but the quarterback play, the last two games was as uh, from that position up through the fourth quarter was as abysmal as I've ever seen in my life and and as much as we can blame Deacon Hill for it you got to blame the coaches they put him in that position they kept him in that position even when the whole world saw that it wasn't working they kept him there I mean this was I don't know if it was a winnable game or not I mean I think with a competent offense I think they're competitive uh, but when You're talking about the last two games, and in particular, let's just go with this one. Uh, You had an interception in the end zone into a double coverage when the opportunity was there to run, and you had all day in the pocket. You're inside the five. You cannot blow those opportunities. Then you talk, then there's the strip sack. And I was sitting next to Tom Cakert and he goes, This feels like a deacon strip sack. And lo and behold, the very next play he got strip sacked. And then he come backs it up with a pick six. Um, you know, how how do you put yourself in a position to compete when you would be Iowa would be better off the last two games going out and taking three knees and punting rather than putting their offense out there. That's that's a it's a disgrace to the sport and to their players. I'm sorry. I don't want to I don't really want to bag on it too much because if this was the Chicago Bears, I'd be going all in depth. But you know, they were shut out in two consecutive games against their, you know, two of their three best opponents. And you know, forget having, you know, a, a puncher's chance. They had nothing. And and I think this was on the coaches. More than the players because everybody saw it and they still continued to say, "One, the offensive coordinator said he's played good football, and we're sticking with him for four quarters." And it was obvious that he didn't deserve it.
1: So my my good analysis there, Scott. I I was gonna I was gonna go into just like rolling my eyes at like. Just how they went went about everything, started in 13 personnel, all that stuff. But let's just I'm going what I wrote after the game was like maybe I said maybe Iowa should have done what Tennessee did. Start bull prep with the true freshman quarterback at number one. You saw it was not working with Deacon Hill, and just given Marco Linez three weeks, whatever, three and a mm-hmm. half weeks to. Get ready for this game. They obviously didn't do that. We know they didn't do that. They didn't really think about doing that. Um, I kind of wish I would have said they been even stronger. In my column, as I look back on it now, but said maybe they should have done that in hindsight. Um, that's what I don't get. This whole time you've had, and I'm not saying Marco. I know Marco has t- was not the greatest passer in practice, and I'm sure that held him back in terms of what he what the coaches thought he could do with upside um, at the quarterback position. But I just can't help but think and just seeing the glimpses of mobility that we saw from him could an innovative offensive coordinator have taken that during the bye week, perhaps, especially after Minnesota, which was a disaster at the quarterback position and Turn that into a different type of offense and folded in Cooper DeGene, which we did see a little bit of. So give, give Mm -hmm. Iowa a tiny, tiny bit of credit there. You can't tell me Scott that Iowa or even just the package of plays in the Citrus bowl, which I asked Brian Ferentz about, like to not have like a mobile quarterback in a red zone package or like some kind of like third down, like third and two kind of situation to not even like go there or think about it and just say, well, we're just going to drop back and, Whatever, and we're gonna go shotgun and thirteen personnel, or whatever stupid stuff they do, and uh, rely on 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 Deacon to make a completion um, when you have got a quarterback in the wings that can at least run for that first down, which you saw him do four times on his very first college drive. Uh, anyway, I have re- I that just gives me nail in the coffin, final confirmation that they did not have the right person in the quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator room the last few years. And uh, I'm looking forward to the change, whoever it is.
0: Yes, absolutely. I mean, I've tried, I think we both have tried to give them the benefit of the doubt at different times and different junctures, even if we're yawning or, you know, exhaling going, okay, I guess fine. We'll, we'll see what it, it does. But you know, the quarterback play has got substantially worse the last two years. I think, uh, you know, Spencer Petras regressed the people underneath him. You know, Joe Labus, um, you know, Alex Padilla, Deacon Hill. Where have they gotten any made any strides whatsoever? Whether it's Brian Ferentz, whether it's uh, um, John Budmeier, it does, there's been no... No improvement whatsoever. I mean, and it wasn't like Cade was lighting the world on fire either before he got hurt, you know. But I, I understand he had a right quad issue, but it wasn't even the passing wasn't that crisp and and he saw it Eric all at that point. I, I think right now you in order to go forward as a program, you have to have this move. And and I wasn't a real big fan of the drive for 325 because I think it made Iowa a punchline. And it's and it did until Brian was dismissed, but this had to happen. And, and Chad, there are Kirk has a million positives and qualities as a head coach and as a person. And he's a hall of fame coach in my eyes. He's done so many great things, but his loyalty, which is a strength is also a weakness. And then you throw the, the family element into it. It's allowed him to, to continue to elevate and push for you know, a person that, that, that didn't deserve that job anymore. Maybe he did. I'll, I'll say that he deserved a crack at it. But I think the last couple of years has shown that you just can't do this in major college football. And you're doing this to your fan base. And when we're seeing these, uh, you know, these games, I mean, they what, they had only one game. Did they have more than one touchdown in since Purdue the last, what, eight games? And that was Rutgers. That too, I mean, you know, this is this is a disaster. And so it needed to end. And, you know, and then the, the obtuse philosophy or, you know, just shrug your shoulders and we know better than you. Well, we have eyes. I'm not saying I know how to call plays better than you, but we know what doesn't work. And it's whatever they've tried to trot out there the last two to three years.
1: Yeah, as, uh on our post-game podcast, Dargan Southern made a comment of uh, Marshall Meter ends up scoring the final points of the Iowa season in 2023. And I was like, oh, my God, that feels like forever ago. Yeah, that's how they could not score another. I The other regret I have from that game, and I know it was 28 to nothing. I wish they would have kicked the field goal with Drew Stevens uh, deep into Terry. They weren't going to win. Give Marco Linez a scoring drive. Give Drew Stevens a chance to kind of, uh, you know, lift up his, you know, spirits after that rough Nebraska game. It looked like he was great in warmups. Would have liked to, you know, would have seen it's a minor thing, I know, but you could have given Marco Linez a scoring drive. You could have given Drew Stevens a chance to kick that field goal, take the zero off the board. Maybe people would have laughed at it, whatever, but, uh, you know, it wasn't like a, fourth and two or anything. I can't remember what it was. It was like fourth and seven or something, but I don't know. Anyway, very minor thing.
0: Yeah. And, and the unfortunate part is Chad, that they didn't give their defense a chance again. You know, if you, Go to the first, uh, well, as the second drive for Iowa, but, but scoring opportunity. Had they punched it in there, you know, I, I mean, Tennessee has a, a really good, vibrant young quarterback, and who's making his first start. And had he still scored those two touchdowns that they did in the first half, okay, you go to halftime down fourteen to seven. But then you start to look at. The second half and the way it materialized for Iowa, again, a pick six, a a fumble on your own two yard line. You just gave them 14 points. You know, what did your defense do to deserve it? I mean, Joe Evans sets the school record for most sacks in a a, uh, bowl game with four. And it's it's barely a footnote. Um, Jay Higgins ties the school record for most tackles in a season that's been around for 51 years. And it's, it's kind of a footnote. And, you know, I mean, even Nick Jackson finished with more than a hundred tackles and all this stuff. And yet it's, it comes down to the way the offense performed. And, and of course, Tory Taylor's um, unreal season had a, you know, a, a tremendous ending for him but I think he would take get rid of that record if they would have had a better offense because even going into the season he's like I'm hoping to punt a little bit less but you know so uh, you know unfortunately for him he punted a lot more so I I think right now it. You feel bad for the defense, the defensive coaches that had to deal with this because they had a, a defense that was capable of competing at the highest level. I'm not saying that they're better this year than they were last year, but I'm saying that they are you march that defense out with a competent offense and they go toe to toe with Michigan in the Big Ten Championship game. You know, it but instead, you know, you have uh, two strip sacks, you know, and then a, a long punt return, and it's it's Sayonara.
1: Well, Happy New Year to everybody out there and cheers to 2024 uh, from our friends at Steeple Ridge Bourbon. Steeple Ridge delivers a high quality, delicious drinking bourbon. If you don't find Steeple Ridge at your favorite grocer or retailer, ask for it by name. Steeple Ridge is distilled, aged and bottled in Iowa by Lonely Oak Distillery. Uh, I got a couple different directions I could go here, Scott, but let's, I think let's just stick with, I want to reflect on 2023 season a little bit, but since we're kind of on the quarterback offense topic, let's just kind of finish it up here with kind of a little bit of, uh, news, I guess, uh, that Oregon transfer Ty Thompson is going to visit the Iowa campus on Friday, first reported by two, four, seven sports. Nice job on that, David, uh, Notable that Iowa is still looking at the quarterback position. I think that is a refreshing thing. Uh, here's the backup to Bo Nix at Oregon, uh, five-star prospect, and you've at least got him interested in coming to campus this week. So, uh, to me, that's reassurance that uh, whoever the next OC is is not going to have a completely, you know, it's not going to be watching. Maybe, maybe maybe not going to be watching Deacon Hill and Marco Linus throw passes this spring. Totally. Exclusively. I mean,
0: exclusively. Yeah. Um, you no know, I think it's great. I think it's something that we've talked about before that when you look at this, you know, offense, when if Cade McNamara is truly going to be your automatic number one starter for next year, he's not going to be there in the spring to be able to do that. He might be able to do certain drills, but his knee, he's still recovering from an ACL. So are you, do you want to really look at deacon hill and and you know marco i would give him every opportunity to to improve and maybe they did and maybe he you know again it wasn't he, he was certainly qualified from a running standpoint passing was a little bit different element the other day but uh you know if but what if kate is you know too far gone what if he ends up he's had an ACL i mean it was in september what if it doesn't respond until September. Is he going to be able to just walk in and be a great passer? I mean, he was not light in the world on fire to begin with. And then you want to put yourself in this position with, a with you know, the, the two national championship teams plus Oregon and, you know, and all these other teams in, in the league. I mean, I think it's the right move. And if Ty Thompson comes in and he comes in in the spring and he's the best player there, and then by training camp, Cade's healthy, and he's still the best player, then play the best player. You don't owe anybody anything. You don't owe anybody anything at the offensive line or secondary or certainly wide receiver. So why would you do that at quarterback for a guy who's only played a handful of games for you? So I like this a lot because you're trying to get better and you're telling your players we're still trying to get better. We're
1: not complacent on offense just with what we have. Definitely. And I I, I realize maybe stuff trickles out at a different rate, but we haven't seen really any major Hawkeyes enter the portal, which closed right uh, on the second. So, um, Liam Reardon, the long snapper, is in there. That was the, the big news this morning, right? The backup long yeah. snapper in there. But I don't know. Yeah, I think that's it. Like you said, at my point being, you're sending a, a message to your offense, too. Like, hey, we we're raising the bar here. Not saying Ty Thompson's going to be coming here, but it's encouraging that he's here and they got him on campus. And, um, uh, They're pursuing that because I agree. I mean, you look at, I mean, no offense, but Cade McNamara's stats, and I realize it was in a beleaguered offense, but his stats, I mean, let's read them off. 46 for 90, four touchdowns, three interceptions, 51% completion percentage, 101 yards per game. I realize the Michigan State game truncates that a little bit, but Mm -hmm. he was there. Eric Hall was there. Cooper DeGene was there up in Happy Valley. He didn't have Luke Cliche, but you had everybody else, and you gained 50 yards, and I think Deacon Hill maybe gained the other 20-some. So <laughs> it was not a good day for Cade up there. And um, Tough year for the Hawkeyes. They ended up with 216 points. Needed 350 for that 25 points per game. The number to me, Scott, that really stands out is uh, minus seven in turnover margin this year, 114th in the country. So I think that's got to be a priority, too, Um, you know, something that. You know, Kirk Ferentz can't keep leaning on now. We just need someone to protect the football. His guys didn't protect the football this year.
0: And that's the irony because I think really with uh, with Deacon Hill, the whole thought was, well, at least he could protect the football, and he never did. You know, and you kept playing a guy who was worse at protecting the football than anybody else you've ever had. And and so what, you know, what was the upside? What's the upside with with Marco Lanez? It was that he could do something offensively, and the downside isn't anything because – Okay, so he gets two uh, turnovers a game. So did your quarterback, you know. Now I do think on the other side that it, there, you know, I think that with the defense, the defense enforces many turnovers, and uh, you know that's something that they've got to investigate too. I don't, I don't think that's anything too glaring necessarily, but it is something that's noticeable and impactful. But I wrote today about like, you know, kind of wrapping up the 2023 season with like ten different topics or whatever and among those was uh stat of the year and i'm like in the olden days 10 wins would have been the stat of the year what a great way to complete your season but but frankly 15.4 the average points per game i mean they couldn't even make it to 225 let alone the drive for 325 and you know that's what second worst in the country that's just you know You know that, that dwarfs it, and I, you know, and I do argue with people who say, well, you know, that's only because they played that easy schedule. Yes, they played in a in a down division, no question. However, somebody has to win those games, and you, and then you continue to look at the defense, which allowed a nat was a national best yards per play allowed, and played the fourth mo- most plays in the country on defense. It's just extraordinary what they were able to do despite having, you know, this albatross that's been chained to them for now a couple
1: of years. <laughs> uh, sometimes you say things that just make me laugh, albatross. <laughs> um, I, think, I think part of the turnover problem was that opposing offenses knew they didn't have to take risks against mm-hmm. this Iowa defense. That was the So it was on the offense to me. Because you saw that even from Tennessee, I mean, heck, Josh Heupel was punting on fourth and one. Mm -hmm. I don't think he would have done that if Iowa had any offense, Uh, you know. So, I think that's part of the problem. You need an offense that's going to challenge teams, so that your defense can be in a position to force those turnovers and heck, you know, turn some games into routes. Wouldn't that be something um, crazy? Uh, Well, let's uh, one more thought here on the season, Scott. How will you remember? The 2023 Hawkeyes. Uh, what is kind of the legacy of this team? They had a chance to become the fourth 11-win team of the Ferrand era. Certainly is not in the class of those pre- previous three, 02, 09, 15. Doesn't get to be in that class for sure. But how will how will this team be remembered now that uh, it's in the books? You know,
0: juxtaposed against one another, the offense and defense. I think it's it's really. I think most people are going to remember it for. The offensive woes, which is probably a little unfortunate. I'm also but on the flip side, I'm going to I'm going to look at it on the bright side, which is that defense was outstanding. They had high character players who kept, you know, just kept grinding, kept fighting. And, you know, from Joe Evans, you know, 28 sacks from a former walk on in his career. What a what an astounding stat. Jay Higgins, you know, 171 tackles this year, replacing somebody I thought that was irreplaceable. Um, Cooper DeGene, you know, had the two most exciting plays of the year. One counted and one has a giant asterisk. Um, you know, and then Illinois, the the end of the Illinois game, you know, Caleb Johnson's run, uh, the, the to win, be the, you know, the last team to clinch a championship on its home field in the West division and one of two ever in the big 10, because, you know, from here on out, you don't get a trophy. You just go to Indianapolis. There's no division title anymore. So, you know, it, it persevered despite all these negatives and still won 10 games, still won a division title, still won three out of the four traveling trophies and we can all make the case for the fourth. So it's, it's just to me, um, But you've got it. You almost have to see it with both eyes, you know,
1: and in both ways. Um, How about you? What do you think? Well, certainly, I mean, as a as a journalist, I'm going to remember the sports gambling part of this big time, just how that kind of uh, just began this whole season with such a weird Element, You know, just like just unusual, just just the strangest season, even more so than 2020. I feel like for me, I mean, it was right there with 2020, probably with COVID and racial bias all lumped into one. But, uh, man, this was just the weirdest season, man. Just Cade injuries, more injuries. The invalid fair catch was probably the craziest week of my life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Maybe not the craziest, but like. Uh, just like the most, like, God, what kind of season is this? You know? <laughs> where I'm like all of a sudden on a conference call with, uh, you know, Bill Carollo <laughs> and talking about, you know, aerial views of Cooper DeGene moving, waving his arm and, you know, just craziness. But uh, I guess uh, to kind of bring it full circle, something Kirk Farron said in the post game, like, hey, remember we won 10 games and won the Big Ten West. Well, I don't think I'm going to remember that for this time. I feel like I'm going to remember that. They won 10 in spite of, like, how bad their offense was. And, like, I just hope that Kirk, when he's making this OC hire, and I think he probably is, but I don't know that he is, like, understands that you can't win 10 games like this. Like, that's not – what your offense did is not a formula for a 10-game season ever again. I don't see how it's even possible. And you look back at even 2021, yeah, they won 10 games, but they were a pretty functional offense through that Penn State game, and then it just went down up a crater of a hill, you know, starting the next week against Purdue and it's never recovered. Um, So, you know, you basically went three and four with that offense that year kind of at this level. So anyway, that's, I guess that brings it full circle. You know, when do you expect an offensive coordinator hire to be made, I guess, at this point?
0: Well, Kirk said, you know, he hoped that it will be by what week three of this, of this month. I think that's fair. I don't know if he's, I, you know, considering or looking at any NFL current OCs or assistants or whatever, because that season ends on Sunday. Uh, You know, who knows uh, there, there could be somebody out there that he's looking at, or even in the national title game, you know, I mean, maybe, uh, (laughs) maybe Ryan Grubb wants to come home, you know, something like that. But I, so I, I would expect it to kind of get to, you know, a really complete era, you know, probably next week is when things will start to really heat up and then we could have a, I wouldn't be surprised if in another week from now we get a, a higher and maybe a press conference the following week about it. And, um, and it's, it, this is really going to kind of the last couple of holes of the Kirk Ferentz coaching career here, you know, you're on hole 17 and 18 and, you know, it can be five more years for all we know, but it really is impactful because, we were both, you know, either in college or uh, working at newspapers or, or institutions of the state at the end of the Hayden Fry era and outside of, you know, 96 was kind of a better than expected season. 97 was very disappointing, um, but really for that run ever, ever since the 10 and one season in, in 91, it was not a really a good rain for the last several years there. And, you know, with the expanded big 10, better teams coming in and, you know, it's got the potential to get to that level where you're fighting for bowl eligibility. And that's just not the way you want to finish up. I think he's been able to to kind of pull himself together so many times. You got to admire that, but he's got to have one more in him. And he's going to have to make sure that the offensive coordinator has some autonomy. And uh, that that's why, you know, he keeps telling us, you know, hey, they need to work well with other people and be a good teammate and all that type of thing. But once you bring him in here, don't micromanage him. Let him do his job, because it's it's obvious that the the family element
1: didn't do that job. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I I feel like the one thing I hope that Kirk Ferentz does just for everybody who listens to this show. uh, You know, they want Iowa to be good on offense. I just hope that he is willing to take a little bit of a step out on the ledge and not try to be too safe with either higher end approach or both Uh, just a little bit. I, I don't feel like at this point in his career, there's any downside to taking just a little bit of a leap of faith outside of your own comfort zone to try something different. That's what I think the message would be after watching these last two and a half seasons of offense uh, the way you like to run offense. <laughs> so, anyway, all right. You mentioned Ryan Grubb. Let's talk. Let's. It is a Big Ten show, right? Legends mm-hmm. and listeners. So let's yeah. talk about the national title game, the All Big Ten final, Scott. <laughs> Yeah, Michigan, SEC, Michigan, Washington. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know,
0: this is w- what you know. Back in the day, when the SEC would have a team in the championship and win it, everybody, you know, down south, it's like, yeah, hey, we does not matter. We were three and six in the Bulls, but this is the only one that matters. Well, here we are. The Big Ten had a pretty disappointing Bulls campaign, I think, but now you got two teams in there in, in the Michigan Wolverines, the team that everybody hates to hate, and um, and then you got Washington, which. You know, it's really interesting. Michael Penix, the the one game we saw in recent memory was not good at all. However, he's been much better every other game since then. So, uh, I think this has the, the ability to be a, a classic, terrific game, two contrasts and styles. Um, but Michigan proved to me the other day that it's got the it's got the horses to compete against really talented teams, and uh, and so I, I I think the Wolverines might be might win this
1: one. Yeah, the Michigan's ability to just own the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, even without uh, Zinter, um, who I know obviously is out for the year. But um, it's just really impressive. They're just so methodical in everything they do, and they just suck the life out of you. We saw that ourselves at the Big Ten title game. We saw that last year in in Iowa City as well. J.J. McCarthy, I don't think he, like, has needed to be as good as he probably is just because of Michigan's system and the way Harbaugh runs things. So uh, to me, it may, I feel like Michigan is is a deserved favorite. I know it's a four-and-a-half-point spread. But, man, I love watching Washington. I'm probably, like, in my heart of hearts rooting for Washington just because I like watching them. Both of their coordinators have Iowa ties in mm-hmm. uh, uh, Ryan Grubb and Billy Ennis Inge, uh, yeah. William, in- William Inge now. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm a- I'll always know him as Billy Enosinge. Uh, yeah, um, and uh, you know, I I just think uh, I like my you know I like rooting for Michael Penix. He's a he's a little bit of an underdog story. Um, I like their coach Caleb DeBoer, mm-hmm. um, and man, their receivers are so good. I hope Roman, <laughs> I hope Adunze is a Bear next year. I hope I hope the Bears take him at like number eight overall, something like that uh, you know, take him along with whoever else, uh, up high. Marvin,
0: Marvin Harrison. Yeah. Take them both. Yeah, take them both. <laughs> and, and DJ Moore. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now we're rolling.
1: <laughs> uh, I just love watching Washington, but Michigan's defense I think is going to give them a lot of problems because they've got the ability to pressure up front and we saw how hard it was for Iowa to throw the ball. Not that that says anything, but it's hard to throw against this Michigan team. So it's a really, it's kind of that contrast of styles we thought we were getting, I guess, in the, uh, Citrus Bowl, maybe a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's hard for Iowa to throw seven on seven most of the time. But, you know, <laughs> I do think, um, you know, the, the the ties are really interesting. Uh, Caleb, Kalen DeBoer played at Sioux Falls. Uh, his two of his uh, teammates were are two of my very best friends. I graduated high school with one was my uh, college roommate. Another one lives in Minneapolis and we were both quarterbacks on the same high school team. So he was Caitlin's Kay- backup there. So uh, it's uh, you know, there's, there's some ties there. And Ryan Grubb was a teammate of Buena Vista with another one of my high school teammates and friends. So um, there's a lot of ties to this state and to this region for them. So I could, and You know, I'm interested in kind of the Big Ten thought process around here. Usually a Big Ten team, even Ohio State, if when they've made it, most Big Ten fans put down their angst and said, "Okay, I'll root for the league. Um, That doesn't seem to be the case as much here with Michigan. You know, know, it's not the case in Columbus as as always, or East Lansing, or Happy Valley, or Iowa City, I would say, is probably the same way. I mean, the cheating scandal is really – you know, intensified the disdain for Harbaugh, for Michigan. And then uh, and the fact that Washington's coming into the league, um, I think it kind of softens that up. That it's like, well, you know, they're going to be a Big Ten team too. So, and then, you know, we can all, you know, shed some crocodile tears for the SEC that they would have had two in there and they, uh, you know, hot damn, they're not there. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so we got to hear about that, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. I think you, I think if you're a Hawkeye fan or a a fan that usually roots for the Big Ten, and I know most people that I know are, you know, NCAA tournament comes along, they'll they'll root for that Big Ten all the way. But now you can root for the you can root against Michigan, and you can root for the Big Ten in a way at the same time. And plus, Washington is just such a likable team. I mean, there's really they're just fun to watch. They're fun to watch, and the crazy thing is they've won. They're like Iowa in a lot of ways. They've won nine straight games by what is it, 10 points or less? I think mm-hmm. nine points. So they're kind of a high wire act. You know? They don't like blow teams out necessarily. And uh, so they make it interesting. They got those character guys. So they're kind of like a, you know, Iowa with a much better offense with Iowans kind of running the show. So um, I, I think I'm going to pick Michigan, but I'm rooting for a classic, like you said.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I, I think I, I was surprised. I thought Michigan would end up losing for some reason against Alabama. You know, and so when they got down a couple of times, I thought, nah, all right, this is this is when the SEC speed and talent kind of come to come to wipe away the Big Ten. And instead, uh, you know, they fought and they fought hard. And Blake Corum was as good as any player on the field. And and I thought that was impressive. And, and J.J. McCarthy competed and and then their defense, the line of scrimmage was able to really own it. So, you know, it, it's interesting that it. Bookends the the ten year fourteen playoff era with Ohio State winning it against Alabama in the semifinals, and then Michigan uh, beating Alabama in the semifinals, and not a whole lot of success in the middle. But uh, I do think this was, uh, you know, if 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 it's Michigan then it's a true Big Ten victory. If it's uh, Washington, then, well, that's what we got to look forward to next year. The interesting thing is Michigan's schedule. They play Texas next year. They play Washington, Oregon, Ohio State, of course, Michigan State, USC. So Michigan's got quite the, the schedule. And then you throw on, you know, will Harbaugh be there? You know, I, I don't know. I, I don't think he will be, but that's just me.
1: Yeah. I kind of think this is it for him one way or another, but uh, yeah, great, great conversation. Had fun with you in Orlando, Scott, and had fun with you talking today and uh, maybe we'll have an OC in place next time we talk uh, on Iowa everywhere. here. That would be
0: great. You know, I mean, anytime we can, you know, shave off these big topics. I mean, you know, Iowa did return, you know, as returning several players, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, yesterday was Jamari Harris and last week Luke Lachey and Jay Higgins and maybe we'll get one, you know, one or two more this week. And then by next week we can finish that off and maybe the OC and maybe we can look at our calendars and say, you know what, maybe we could take a day or two off. That would be, that would be something nice and put away the phone and the computer and
1: move ahead. But we know that that's usually not the case. All right. Thank you all for listening for Scott Doctroman. This is Chad Lysico Uh, sending everything we got to folks in Perry, Iowa right now. And, um, Take care. We will talk to you next Thursday here on Legends and Listeners from the Channel Seed Studios. Talk to you soon. Iowa everywhere.